welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert. This is episode 196. Dun, 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 one player podcast. Dun, 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 one player podcast. Dun, 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 dun. One player podcast, podcast for solo gamers. <laughs> oh, that was just awful. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Hey. Quote Albert, that was awful. I love it. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. Oh, thank you, Albert. Thank you. I, I appreciate your helpful criticism, constructive criticism of my uh, introductory comments every time. <laughs> so, Albert, I hear that you are lost today. Yes, very lost. I've been, uh, been lost for weeks. And I'm here to tell my story about it. <laughs> because I've been playing The Lost Ruins of Arnak, which is pretty, it's pretty neat. It's a new game from Czech Games Editions. And you know it's it hasn't been out too long, but uh, I got it for Christmas, and I've been quite enjoying it. So we're gonna talk about it. Who designed this game? Let me find out. Uh, Min Elwin, or Elwin Min. I think that's two names, two people. Maybe. Oh, Min is it? Elwin? It's two people. Yeah, it says Min and Elwin on the rule book. I wasn't so I sure because of various languages, but okay. Yeah, I I don't know either. I'm just basing that on the ampersand on the rule book cover. It, you know. I wish we were better about giving people credit for their designs. We're not good about that. Sorry. But, you know, we should. <laughs> so I have a I have a handy list now saying all the different things we talk about. So I'm going to get the order right this time. <laughs> First up is a summary. We're doing a summary of this game. So this game is basically, well, it's a little bit of everything. <laughs> This is a game that has everything. You know, it's 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 a worker placement game. It's a deck building game. It's an action selection game. It's a point salad game. It's really everything here. Um, but thematically, you are exploring a lost island and and discovering ruins and whatnot. And that's what this game is about. Um, it's pretty simple, pretty straightforward. It's a one to four player game. You are competing to be the best explorer and thus earn the most victory points and fame. If you play solo, you're competing against your enemy, Al, the AI deck. All right. Uh, the rules. Uh, Julius, you said you read the rules. I have read through the rules, but I have not had an opportunity to uh, pull out the figures or play with them. I very much like the design of the rules, and it's possible that – oh, I'm not going to say it's possible. I think that this is going to bleed over to my comments on some of the components – the graphics of this game, it looks really beautiful. I love how bright the game looks. Everything is appears to me, at least, to be clear, easy to play, easy to see. Running through the rules, I felt, although I wasn't able to actually, as we mentioned, play the game, um, I'm not aware of anyone that I have the ability to play with and I don't own a copy of it, unfortunately. Um, but the just the way the rules present themselves it looks great which makes me really hopeful that i'm going to hear a positive review from you as we're coming along with this mm -hmm. yeah the, the rules are, are simple and clear they're straightforward it's 24 pages so you know they're they're big enough but they're not hard at all to follow um it's it's just well organized the the setup you know big diagram shows you what the board looks like and all that you know where to put everything 
the all the actions are explained clearly one at a time it is easy to find them everything about it is just it's a good rule book it really is a good rule book you know my, my my usual complaint the solo rules are at the back compared to the multiplayer game but the different i mean i'm always going to complain about that whenever it happens but i will acknowledge that the differences are minimal and it is not an issue in this game at all it was easy enough to to read the multiplayer rules and read read the differences and and account for when when you got to the to play. You know, I even don't... expected you to to bring up that issue, and I was ready to disagree with you. Oh, I, I feel like it's almost as usual as we do for this. Oh, it's as usual. If you have, if you have, if you don't have two rule books, it's a failure on your part, basically. That's <laughs> that's my stance. <laughs> though, no, honestly, though, I mean, it really it isn't an issue. You you're going to read the multiplayer rules. It's going to be simple. It's going to make sense. It's going to be very clear. And then the differences in the solo play are so minimal. It's not. It's not confusing. Other games are much more difficult to, to grasp because I don't know if it's the way the rules are done or the gameplay is more complex or what. But in, in most games, it's an issue. In this one, it was not. I'm, I'm giving him credit for doing a good job of it. Um. So yeah, that that's the rule book. The in the rules. Uh, the theme. All right. So the theme of this game is you're exploring a lost island. You have discovered a lost island. It's uncharted. And you came here because you suspected it is the lost island of Arnak, and you're now exploring the ruins of Arnak. So to me, it's a bit of an Indiana Jones feel, or maybe more of a um, King Kong, where they go to the island and exploring that island. That's what it feels like. I find it funny that to me, I felt less Indiana Jones, more Uncharted, because yeah. like you're you have a team with you, you're working together with other people you are doing a lot more sort of interaction than I guess Indiana Jones does. Um, and it really, it reminded me, I don't know if you've heard of the video game uncharted, um, but just the idea that you have a team in Indiana Jones <laughs> never <laughs> struck me as a particularly good team player. <laughs> That's true. So, uh, I mean, you, you may have a team, but it doesn't really come out in this game much. You don't feel it. You, you know, I've always felt oh, really? it's just me exploring. Yeah. Yeah, oh. the team aspect doesn't come up. There, you do have assistants that could help you, but they're just assistants, and Indiana Jones had assistants. But either way, I mean, it's it's not a deep theme. There's, there's a story there, kind of, but the art is just fantastic and super evocative, and all the art of all the ruins and the guardians that you have to challenge and defeat and whatnot, it's just everything about the artwork is great. It is such a pretty-looking game. You know, and everything has art on it. All the cards, all the the locations you visit. The board itself is just really nice looking. To, I mean, it's just so well done. It really is. Um, you know, which I guess we could move on from theme to components because I don't know that there's a whole lot more to say about the theme. It is an interesting theme, and it does. I think that the theme does help cement the game mechanics and how it works and help it helped me keep it straight in my head. And that might be part of what made the game easy to learn. I, I will say it's somewhat also generic because mm-hmm. it doesn't really give you a whole story with something like mage Knight, I felt like even the fact that it was named and that there was the blurb in front of it talking about it. So it felt like it was a dig at a bigger world. It felt like there could be books associated with it. I understand that Mage Knight does have such books. With this one, it feels like it's generic. Like you come across these guardians, these lizards, these places here, but they're not, at the very least, not in the rules of the components that I'm familiar with. They're not named. 
it's not it doesn't give me a sense that there's a bigger story there other than just what exists on here as a starting place to go on later on i suppose there could be but it just didn't get that sense of it yeah i mean if there is a story you'd have they'd have to write a story and include some sort of little book in it like they did with uh, warp's edge or something right but but i thought the creatures are all unique enough that the, there is no story behind them it doesn't feel very cookie cutter it feels it feels pretty unique in, in that sense it's like creatures that i haven't really seen a lot of before like a giant uh turtle or something i don't know and maybe, maybe i'm making that specific one up but i thought they were pretty neat um one thing that's interesting is the designers did upload to bgg a file that you could download that is sort of a fragment of translations of the writings of arnak and so you could compare it to the different images you see in, on the board and some of the components and, and sort of translate what they mean and it's not actually like you're not going to translate specific passages so much as translate meanings and then what the subject is matter so it was pretty neat pretty neat touch that they did that just just to make the game more thematic and more evocative i like that um so the components right so this is a big game um uh, the box size i would compare it you know, speaking of uh, exploring Uncharted Islands, I would ex- compare it to Robinson Crusoe, right? It's a big box like the original edition was. Not the square one, but, you know, bigger. And it's pretty full. You- you're going to get two boards, a really huge board that's trifold or folds into six parts, I guess. Um, so it's- it takes up a lot of table space. And there's another smaller board that's going to go under that one, which is just really a place to organize your components. And then there's all sorts of components. There's two decks of cards, plus I said deck building. Each player starts with their own sets of cards for the, for the game. So there's sixteen starting cards. There's resources. There's gold and exploration markers that are cardboard counters. And there's also plastic resources that are pretty neat. You get these little plastic tablets and plastic uh, arrowheads and plastic gems. Um. There's a player mat, which is your base camp. It's a picture of your base camp and whatnot, and you, you use it to organize your stuff, your cards, and your resources, and your victory point things. There's locations you could explore, and you have tiles for the locations. There's the easier-to-get-to locations and the distant locations that are slightly different, but each of those has really pretty art of that, that represents that location. And then there's also the guardians that you're going to find at the locations, so there's a whole bunch of guardian tiles. And these are pretty big tiles. They're probably like... I'm going to say two by three inches-ish or something, I'm not sure, with with nice art. As big as a playing card, so probably bigger than two by three. Um, So you, you've got all those components, and and again, everything looks nice, everything's pretty. You get some wooden markers for the player. Um, you, get, you get two meeples per player, so there's eight meeples in the box. They're tall meeples um, with fedoras, and you also get... The uh, a magnifying glass marker and a little, I think it's a book marker that you're going to move up a, an exploration track. And then there's also some tiles that represent assistance that you could find or, or unlock in the game. And they're going to give you some extra abilities. And I've probably, I don't know if I've covered all the resources. Oh, no, there's there's one thing that's interesting. Um... Which so the the game is played in five rounds and there's this marker that you put on the board, on the row where the cards go, and the marker is like a tall staff of the moon or something like that. It's called staff of the sun. I don't remember. And it's basically a vertical bar, 
In each round, that vertical bar is going to move to the right one space, marking your round. As you move it, the, the cards that are available next to the marker start changing. There's two different decks. One deck is always going to be on the left of the marker. The cards from the other deck are always going to be on the right of the marker. So as the bar progresses to the right, the, the, you get fewer of those cards available from the right side and more cards available on the left side, which is a neat mechanic. But So you, so you get that marker anyway. And and I, like I said, that's probably that's enough. <laughs> There's a ton of components. Setting up the game takes me a couple minutes just going through and opening up each of the bags and putting out the pieces where they go and whatnot. Um... I forgot the little the little VP markers that you get when you explore a location and, and whatnot. A lot of components in this game. It's a big game. Uh, gameplay. Okay. There's a lot to the gameplay. Um, though I said it's pretty simple. I'm not going to go into everything into detail. But let me... There's five, I've mentioned there's five rounds. Basically in the game, each round you're going to have a hand of cards. You're going to draw five cards at the beginning of the round. And you're going to keep taking turns, alternating between players or between yourself and the AI if you're playing solo, um, taking actions. And each action either requires spending a card or, or possibly or spending resources. And that's going to, you're going to take an action. So eventually you're going to run out of the ability to take actions and then you're going to pass and you're done for the round while you wait for everybody else to finish the round. Once, once everybody has finished a round, you're going to go on to the next round. You're going to reset your things and draw five new cards from the deck. Keep going. So that's basically the game. Um, and it's only five rounds, so it is pretty short. There's, like I said, you're taking actions. There's seven different actions to pick from. So there's quite a few actions. Um, each action is going to involve a fair amount of thinking because there's a lot of options for just about every action. For example, the you could buy a card from the deck from the top row. There's two different types of cards you could buy, and they each cost a different type of resource. There's the regular items deck, and anything that you buy from the regular items deck will go to the bottom of your deck. So you're probably gonna get it pretty soon. You only started with six cards in your deck and you drew five in the first round. So already you know you're gonna be reshuffling and putting cards back in. Any cards you buy immediately from that equipment deck will go straight to the bottom. So you know you're going to see it, guaranteed. At least in the first couple rounds. The other deck is the... I think it's called Artifacts, and these cards are blue. And these cost a different resource. It's a little bit more expensive. Buying any Anytime you buy a card from this deck, you're going to get to use it immediately and then put it in your discard. So it may not come back in the next round, but it very well may. Um, they're a little expensive in that the first time you buy it, you get to use it for free. It, subsequently, when you draw it from your deck and try and use it again... You have to pay a tablet resource to be able to use it. So they're a little more expensive, but yeah, that's how it goes. They're also much better. Um, so, you know, for that specific action of buying a card, you had a lot of choices. You know, which card do I want to buy? Because every single card in this deck is different in, in either decks. Um, so the, the abilities it gives you matter. How many victory points it's going to get you at the end of the game is going to matter. How much it's going to cost you? It's going to matter. All these different things are going to enter, and are you buying an artifact or an equipment? All these are things to just judge just for buying a card. Other actions are like uh, exploring or gathering resources. Again, here you're going to have a lot of choices each time. Where do you explore? Where, which kind of resource do you gather? Every single action, possibly other than passing, <laughs> requires a fair bit of choice. And and I think really that is really neat in this game. That that's the meat of this game. 
I haven't gone into the, all all the mechanics. Um, but it's definitely worth talking to more about. The board is pretty much divided into two parts. The left half is related to exploring, which is a lot of especially related to gathering resources. The right half of the board is about um, doing research and advancing on the research track, and it's mainly related to gaining victory points. Um, there's overlap on both. You could definitely get victory points on that left half, and you definitely could get resources on the right half. Uh, there's actions associated with each. On the left half, you could send a worker to just a. Uh, on the left half, you could send a worker to dig, and this is basically just placing a worker on the space and gathering the resources from that space. You could also have a a worker discover a new location. So you send them, it's going to cost you a little more to discover. You're going to pay some extra research or exploration tokens. But you're going to get to flip a new tile and place it and see what resources you get because it's always a surprise because it's from a random location. That location is now available on the board as a new location each person a person can visit each round to basically to place a worker there and, and gather that location's resources. When you do that, you're also going to place a guardian. The guardians are going to cost you resources to defeat them. But they're going to give you five victory points, which is awesome. Um, five is a fair bit in this game. And it's also going to give you a one-time ability. A lot of times the ability is it, it lets you pay the cost of visiting a location. Because anytime you go to a location, you pay for it by playing cards. Each card has a different symbol on it. And you, you have to play the right symbol. So sometimes the guardians will give you that symbol. It may let you destroy a card from your deck. You could use it to, you know, improve your deck. It may let you do other stuff too. So that's the left half side of the board. It's all these different locations. You could place your workers. You could visit them. You could gain resources. The right side, I said, is research. On the research side, you basically got these two markers that you're going to advance on the track. One of them has to go ahead of the other one always. They could be in the same row. Or the magnifying glass could be in the front, but the other one, the book, can never pass the magnifying glass. As you advance one, well, advancing it is going to cost you all these these resources you've been gathering. That are, they're pretty <laughs> resources are not cheap in this game. It's hard to come by them, I think, because these are the valuable plastic resources most of the time. Um, each time you go up the track, you're going to gain some basic resources and victory points. The higher up you go, the way more victory points you're going to get. It's really a major part of playing the game is getting all these victory points. But as you advance up the track, specifically with the book icon, a marker, the one that has to always be behind and lagging, you could also unlock your assistants. Your assistants are neat in that they'll give you a free action every round or a free ability. It, it might be um, some resources. It might be a free card draw. It, you know, it could be ability to destroy a card, different things. But they're super useful. So, so you always want to advance up that track. So your two choices each round. Go to locations and explore or advance the research track. You could only explore two locations each round because you only have two workers. You could go up the research track as much as you want as long as you could afford it. Um, I think I have covered enough of the mechanics. I don't need to get into details. Well, I'll get a little more. What I haven't talked about much is the deck. There's deck building. <laughs> I don't know. It's deck building. There's not a lot to say. All Every single card is different. They're going to give you resources. They might let you get extra draws in some cases or do other things. Um, help defray the cost of things, etc., etc., etc. I think the main point of it is there is a lot to, to 
decide each turn when you're playing the game. Each every single turn, you know, do I want to go send a worker somewhere? Especially as if somebody else goes to that location, it is not unavailable to my worker, and I'd have to pick something different. I can no longer go there. And if I really need that specific resource, <laughs> you know, that's a, it's, it's a good idea to go there. Or do I want to advance a research track that's going to cost me resources? And and which which person do I want to advance? And do I want to advance them on the left side or the right side because there's different costs depending which way I go and different rewards and <laughs> lots and lots of choices. Yeah. Any? Do you have any questions about the gameplay, Julius? I do not. I think that's okay. mostly what I understood from being the rules over. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It it really is simple to figure this out from the rule book because again, it's each action is explained clearly and very succinctly. Um, the solo play. Okay, so this is a, a competitive game. The solo game is basically done using an Atoma style deck. There is ten tiles for the solo player. He's gonna get the re all the meeples f- that you aren't using, so he's gonna have six meeples, and he's gonna get the magnifying glass icon. But that's it. He doesn't care about any of the resources. He doesn't care about anything else. He just has his 10 uh, action cards or tiles. There's two types of actions. Five of them are the ones basically for the left where he's going to place a worker on one of those locations and block it. So you can't go there. The other five action tiles he has tend to affect victory points more directly, I think. And and also just explore locations, expand exploration. There's... And there's two levels of these uh, tiles. There's a green one that are, tend to be easier and are going to get the AI less points, and the red ones are going to get more points. Um, for example, the the ones there's one that gets uh, equipment cards. The green version, he'll take the cheapest equipment card from the row. The red version, he'll take the most expensive equipment card. I'm sorry, not cheapest or most expensive. The he'll take either the green card, the equipment card that is worth the least victory points. Or in the red version, the one that's worth the most victory points. So it's a very subtle difference, but it really makes a, a big impact on the game. When he starts getting those really valuable cards and, and whatnot every single turn. And the AI, you know, there's not much thinking involved in this when you're doing the AI. You flip the tile and it says, oh, take the take the equipment card. You look at, scan the row, you know what you're going to pick. If there's two that have the same cost, the back of the, every AI tile has an arrow pointing left to right telling you, you know, take the one that's farthest to the left or take the one that's farthest to the right. And so you always use the next tile, the one you haven't drawn yet, to decide that if you if you need that decision. And that applies for any AI action, whether it's buying a card or advancing the on the research track or replacing a new location out or whatever. Um, super, super easy to, to play the AI. It, it takes almost no time at all. Um, I think it does a pretty darn nice job of simulating another point. Though I will say, out of the ten or so gameplays I've had, only one of them was against another person. It was against my son. He didn't like it so much, so we have not played again. Though I will say, I think the reason he didn't like it so much is because I had already played the game a few times and he hadn't played it all yet. And this is a game where experience definitely makes a big difference, right? If, if you've, the more experience you got, definitely the better you're going to do. And so, you know, I, I beat him by a bunch that time, which beating up a poor child, he usually beats me. So, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I'm okay with it. The once in a rare while happens, if he plays the game a few times, he'll, he'll be beating me regularly. (laughs) Um, 
so yeah, so the AI, I, I really like the AI. It's really simple. It it isn't making any complicated decisions for it or anything. It's just place it in the location. The rules are very simple to follow for each of the ten tiles, and it isn't gathering resources or anything. Either it's placing a worker or advancing its victory points. Nice and simple. The AI always goes first, so you don't have to worry about turn order. And it will keep going until its tiles run out, and you will keep going until you run out of options, out of actions you could take. So the first few rounds, the AI, you know, you're done maybe in five or six actions, and the AI goes all ten. At the end of the game, if if you got a a pretty good deck of cards and a lot of resources and whatnot, it'll finish, and you could go another five or six actions before you're done. And that's always satisfying when that happens. That also means you have a chance of winning. <laughs> um. So there we go. Solo gameplay. Any any questions about that? Um. Only this mention of a campaign. Campaign. So there is. You know, I have not even looked at that. That's in the rule book, isn't it? <laughs> it's mentioned. I, I looked at it as soon as I saw it. What that is, is the rule book mentions at the very end that, hey, there's a solo campaign that if you go to our website, you can play it. It's got unique scenarios, a goal, and it appears to go through that story that I mentioned about whatever happened to Professor Katil. So I assume that's going to be where some of the stories can get fleshed out of the, over the course of the solo campaign. Unfortunately, the solo campaign is not yet released. They're intending on releasing that as a free printable. Uh, I assume it's going to be a PDF. I don't know if there's going to be other components. No idea. But it's not yet released. But they've uh, they've announced that it's going to be out there. Okay. Well, this so is interesting. I'm interested. They, they, <laughs> they did release some solo components. So I now wonder if it's the same thing or different. What they released is two new modules you could add to your gameplay i guess you could say though they didn't really add a story and they're not a campaign one of the modules is gold decks for the ai each round you you play a couple gold decks i think three of them and i haven't tried it but i have read through this and the, basically the ai has a goal of doing something like uh buying a resource card or I'm sorry buying buy an equipment card or, or buying an artifact card or or some different goal if it does the go before you do, then it gets the, a victory point tile, which is, I think, four victory points, I think is what it got, but I'm not sure. If you do it first, then it won't get those victory points. So now you're also trying to decide, you know, do I want to be get this done before he does it so I can block him from getting more points? Or could I just wait and not worry about it or whatever? Um, that's one of the modules. The is this other- in the box? It's not in the box. It there's a there's a PDF from BGG. So you could oh, check oh, it. Oh, okay. But it's not in the I'm box. I'm looking. I'm looking around for what you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> the second part to it is purple difficulty tiles. So they already had green and red, the, the easy and hard. Now there's extra hard. Um they didn't, you know, it's it's a PDF, so it's not tiles. What they've done is instead uh printed out let you print out cards so you can print out all the all the cards for the AI, that way you have it all as card format, and then you could mix it any way you want. So you could use all, you know, you'll use always all the five standard ones for the sending the uh, a worker to a location. And then the other five, you could pick, you know, oh, I want the first two to be the green, and then two red, and then one purple, or whatever. And, and you would choose how you mix it up. So you could you could very much tweak your difficulty every time you play. 
And that is available, but it didn't really seem to add anything to the story that I could tell. So maybe there's still something else in mind. I don't know. This this game really feels like a game that could be expanded. I I, I am sure they're they've already I'm got certain there's going to be expansions. <laughs> yeah, because I I'm they could do different changes on the research. Oh, and I totally forgot the back of the board. There is a back to the board in this game. <laughs> it's it's a double sided. The front side is like um I think it's called the Temple of the Hawk or Eagle or something, and the back is the Temple of the Snake. And the differences are. On the left side of the board where you're exploring, the location you could visit, the cost to visit each is a little bit different. Now, the, the card you have to play. There's two types of cards. You could either travel by boat or you could travel by car to these locations. And they've changed up the costs. Um, there's other ways to pay for travel, but just to keep it simple for, the, for our sake. The other change is the right side of the board. The research track is different. You, you have to rescue... Or you you get to rescue an assistant. It works a little bit different the way the the, the rescuing them works, and the bonuses you get or and or cost as you reach different levels of research are different. It is definitely a harder side of the board. I played a bunch of games on the first side of the board. I said, "Oh, this is great! I'm having a lot of fun. I'm winning a lot." And I switch over to the other side, and I haven't been back. <laughs> After that, I said, okay, this is too hard for me. I'm going back to the first side. And and I've been enjoying my games on the first side, and it's challenging. Um, there are things I did like about the second side. I did like how the visiting location, the costs are different, because on the on the front side, it's it's very symmetrical and felt a little boring, I guess I would say. But, but again, there's so many options on how to play this game and, and when you're playing, what to do. So I think... That is where it's being compared to uh, Mage Knight. Right? You said people are comparing it to Mage Knight and saying they like this better than Mage Knight. I think it's because each turn you have so much thinking about what you're going to do for each action. It's just... The, the first game I played, I think, took me an hour and a half to two hours. A lot of it was just really looking at every card and trying to understand what I could do and, and whatnot and really just putting my... Uh, my getting my head around all these choices. I have gotten it probably down to now 35, maybe 40 minutes of play. So so definitely way quicker. That's it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's short. It's only five rounds. And, like, you know, you only get five or six actions. At first, it's really... The first few rounds are super easy. There's not as many choices the first few rounds. Um, because you, you can only send your worker to two locations... You really probably want some of the basic resources at first. You could buy more cards and, and whatnot. Um, as the game progresses, by the last few rounds, you're really thinking about it and and trying to figure out what action do I take, where do I send my worker, which order, because all these things impact you know what resources you get and when you get them, and potentially get you a couple steps farther up that research track, which is going to get you a lot more victory points. So yeah, it, it it is a fast game once you got the hang of it. That's what I like about it. Hmm. Because the BGG suggested it was 30 to 120 minutes. I assumed it took longer than that, but I'm assuming for solo, it just takes a lot shorter than the regular game you're saying. Um, I'd say it's it's probably about 30 to 40 minutes per player. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Because, again, solo, the, the there's so little choice for the AI that it, it probably adds five minutes to the game total for the whole game. You know, nothing. 
Um, so if you're playing two players, then yeah, each person's gonna take 20, 30 minutes, forty minutes, whatever it is, or can. And if, and if you're suffer from analysis paralysis a lot, <laughs> eh, it's gonna take you a long time. <laughs> <laughs> All those choices. So yeah, um, yeah. So the overview. Uh, I don't know if you could tell, but I like this game a lot. <laughs> I have a lot of fun <laughs> with it. I I love all the choices in it. it. It's fun to play. I have not found it easy necessarily. I, I did pretty well at first for a little while. Um, I'm still playing under an easy difficulty or medium. I'll put like maybe two or three green cards and the other the other one's red or tiles. When I play the AI and I've only been playing the front side of the board, and and I'm enjoying it that way. And you know, there's definitely a lot of advancements as, as I get better in the game, a lot of opportunity to advance and, and make it more and more difficult for myself. So, you know, eventually the point where I would be able to like play the all the purple cards. <laughs> I don't see that happening anytime soon, if at all, honestly, just because I think that would require a lot of play. Now, mechanically, it's easy. I think learning how to play well is something that if, if you step away from the game for a while, will be hard when you come back. And you won't do well first. You have to relearn a lot of the right choices. Same as it's you know playing against a new person, they're going to suffer. Same, same. So yeah, I, I can understand that. That's the game. I I definitely think this looks really interesting to me. I know I hadn't had a chance to look too much into it before we started preparing to do this review, but hearing you talk about it doing some research in myself i think that this looks like a really interesting game I would definitely love to be able to give this one a shot it looks really good mm-hmm. it is now my understanding that was unavailable for a while but i believe it has been reprinted and if not available now it should be available again soon i don't i don't know for sure i hadn't even heard about this game until i got it for christmas <laughs> which i'm surprised because i'm pretty sure it was all over the hotness for a while in bgg but you know i don't look at that anymore BGG, I really don't stray far from the one-player guild. Hotness is tough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's the Lost Ruins of Arnek. Sounds awesome. Well, thank you very much, Albert. I appreciate you uh, spending some time tonight telling me and all the rest of our listeners about this one. I'm going to add this one to my personal wish list, and uh, I wish everyone else a good night. All right. Good night, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.